Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's CW, and this week on the Top Docs Radio Show, we were focusing on technology in healthcare. John Mammon, the CEO and founder of Empowered IT, came by to talk about their outsourced IT solutions for the small to mid-sized medical practice. Harvey Schuster, the chief operating officer for Emergence Georgia Medical Accelerator, stopped in to talk about how their organization helps emerging healthcare technology companies reach commercialization at a faster pace and with a greater probability of success by linking them up with experienced mentors through the early phases of their business launch. He brought along with him Osama Hashmi. He's the CEO and Chief Product Officer for a company called Vitamin C. That's a company that has a software that integrates with EMRs to help physician practices, particularly in pediatrics, primary care, dermatology, plastic surgery, and others that have a need for some measure of repeat follow-ups, particularly on the wellness side of things in pediatrics and primary care, or perhaps maybe some repeat follow-ups that would be useful to achieve a greater degree of success and a higher level of outcomes for patients in, say, dermatology, where maybe some additional follow-ups would be beneficial. They're able to give a measure of automation to those medical practices, allowing them to take better advantage of their capacity to see a higher volume of patients while at the same time helping their patients achieve better outcomes. Good for everybody. Coming up next, John Mammon talks about how he got into technology and why they focus on healthcare. Check it out. I've been in technology for my entire professional career, and I didn't realize it until recently, but many of the stops along the way were actually startup-type organizations. I started working in what is now referred to as managed services in 1997, roughly, and I had been delivering these fixed-fee services to different organizations, not necessarily just medical. But very recently, Empowered IT took a, a very vertical focus. And we recognize that the medical community, particularly the smaller practices, really were an underserved area and they really needed expertise around their technology and and helping them take care of it. There's a few different areas um, where the exposure is created. Um, One is, you know, obvious in the areas of of HIPAA compliance. Um, And there's more than just the network security component to that. Um, But, you know, when you think about what it might cost the practice uh, in the event there is a breach Right. So if if, uh, patient data is um, breached and it gets out into the public Internet, um, you know, there is there are laws that, you know, where you have to post that you have been breached. That's a big deal. You know, if your name of your practice gets out there is, you know, with a leak, that's going to cost your practice patients. Right. So that's just one example. And there could be fines and, and whatnot along the way. Um, another area um, is a little more elemental, and that is that the, you know, the, the, in trying to save the money, they actually can be costing themselves money. Again, if their practice manager is working on that instead of making a better process for accounts receivable, they're just spending time in IT where they, their employees and the doctor themselves can be, again, driving revenue. So anytime, there's always a cost of handling IT. Somebody, you're spending the money somewhere, whether it's with your practice manager or your own billing time or a failure in the environment because you're reactive instead of proactive. We talk about that a lot. If your server goes down and your EMR is not accessible, 
how much does that slow down the practice? Does it, can you still see patients and so forth? So how do we talk about being proactive and staying uh, ahead of the curve and, and trying to keep um, uptime to a maximum in order to not impact the practice negatively? Here's Osama explaining how the vitamin C application they've developed integrates with an EMR to help the physician practice be more productive while at the same time facilitating better patient outcomes. Check it out. What we do is we turn healthcare data into revenue for practices. And so what that means is that a practice like the practice that you're probably associated with probably has lots of patients that you guys have worked with lots of data on those patients. Um, and I personally have worked with lots of practices before, hospital associations, um, lobbyists in DC. And what you find is that oftentimes the greatest opportunity for a practice to generate revenue is through your existing patients and opportunities that you're missing out on with your existing patient base. And so what we do with our software is pretty simple. We link into your existing EMR, whether it's a cloud-based EMR or legacy system, and we identify patients who are off protocol and we bring them back onto protocol. Um, and the end result is an immediate increase in revenue for the practice because we're targeting really high value patients for that practice to, to bring back onto, onto the protocol that the practice is trying to engage with. One of the things that we're working with right now is a couple of practices, um, pediatrics and family, pra and family care practices. And for them, a high value visit is an annual wellness visit, which is a visit that they can get paid by Medicare and almost every private insurer to do, but almost 50% of eligible patients just aren't getting those visits done by the practice. And so what we do is we identify those patients and bring them back into the practice. And at the end of the day, it's, it's somewhere between $3,000 and $6,000 a month in additional revenue that the practice gets just from bringing those patients back onto back into the system. Stick around. We got the full interview with Harvey Schuster, Osama Hashmi, and John Mammon coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. I'm pleased to have in studio some more cool guests to bring to you this week. I met John Mammon not too awful long ago and learned about what they're doing for the healthcare sector and our colleagues in the medical practice world, helping them get their information technology under control. And it can be a source of cost and frustration for sure for these healthcare organizations. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about what you're doing with Empowered IT. Thanks for taking some time, John. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. And you uh, you brought a couple of people with you that you met recently. You you introduced me to uh, Harvey Schuster. He's the COO of Emergence. They're an organization here in the Atlanta area that helps emerging healthcare technology and other health organizations get started in that pre-launch and early period of their evolution, get going and uh, hopefully achieve great heights. So thanks for taking some time to share with us what you're doing with Emergence there, Harvey. My pleasure. Osama um, Hashmi is the CEO and Chief Product Officer for a company called Vitamin C. I'm looking forward to learning more about what your solutions are doing. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll start with you, John. Talk talk to us about uh, Empowered IT and, and, and line out for us an overview of what we do and then we'll kind of get into your background and how you got here. Sure. Uh, quite simply, uh, we become the IT department for small and medium medical practices. So uh, medical organizations, you know, have very specific needs. Um, and uh, what we try to do is focus in on them and help them take advantage of their technology, um, help them streamline their operations uh, and keep things running smoothly so uh, they can focus on taking care of their patients. And so... Who needs to think about linking up with an organization like Empowered IT? Is it uh, this, typically a small practice, the solo practices, or are we talking everything from the solo to the multi-office, like a resurgence orthopedics or somebody like that? I mean, who who tends to be the 
the health organization that's linking up with you? Sure. Um, the larger organizations generally, you know, will have IT staffs, um, and we can still help them, but we help them in a more fractional level. So we might do specific components of IT uh, to help free the IT staff to, you know, take on bigger projects and more uh, revenue-generating projects. Um, our, our sweet spot is really the smaller practices who have all the same needs as larger facilities but don't have the budget um, uh, to staff the appropriate people to give them to, deli- to deliver on those needs. Now, when we talk about IT services uh, for the medical practice, I mean, what all are we talking about? Are you talking about their just their computers? Are we talking about doing some sort of uh, work or consulting around the electronic medical record? I mean, what all are we talking about as it relates to IT services? Because it can be very, very broad or very narrow? Sure. That it does mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, and basically, uh, we, did, we, we say we deliver the IT stack. So that's everything from the help desk, you know, helping the end users when they have difficulty printing or getting their email to work, all the way up through systems administration, uh, network operations, that's monitoring all the key systems and remediating, remediating them on a 7 by 24 basis, and then delivering the C-level. Uh, and so that sea level is where we really are a difference difference maker for them because we uh, not only talk about you know their technologies and and you know making sure that they're staying you know current uh, and they know what's coming down the road, but also um, you know we help in in other areas of the business by introducing uh, different partners that we have in our ecosystem. So anything in the practice um, that where they may have a challenge, whether that be you know, billing or HIPAA compliance or anything along those lines, we can bring partners to the table to help them as well. And as far as the technology goes, it, you said it, it, it's everything from the computers to the copiers to um, the uh, EMR platform. Well, talk to the listeners about your background. How did you get to to be here as part of this and, and, and you know, what took you to focusing on healthcare in particular? I've been in technology for my entire professional career, and I didn't realize it until recently, but many of the stops along the way were actually startup-type organizations. I started working in what is now referred to as managed services in ni- 1997, roughly, and I had been delivering these fixed-fee services to different organizations, not necessarily just medical. But very recently, Empowered IT took a, a very vertical focus and we recognize that the medical community, particularly the smaller practices, really were un- an underserved area, and they really needed expertise around their technology and, and helping them take care of it. And when an organization links up with you, is it a is it a subscription sort of relationship, if you will, or a, a licensing? It's like a monthly a monthly investment that they're making to have the services provided. How does that relationship work? Absolutely. Um, basically. Uh, if they were to go to try to deliver these services on their own, um, they'd have to hire IT staff. Right. Um, the option that we provide them is delivering the entire IT department for a fraction of what it would cost to hire just one person. So they pay us a monthly fee for all of those services. Those services are unlimited um, from a support perspective. The only thing that's not included is um, what we call move, add, change, delete. That'd be like a project to move their practice to another office perhaps expand to another facility, um, um, 
set roll out 10 new computers, whatever it might be. So anything that is not uh, support related would be an additional fee, but that's all planned out, you know, and budgeted for um, through that C-level component. So how often do you run into somebody that's uh, maybe a practice manager and, oh, uh, Dr. Smith's cousin is doing our IT for us. His, his neighbor, Bill, is, is handling it for us. More than you might think. <laughs> uh, we do run so. into that occasionally. Uh, and, and what happens is uh, at some point, you know, you know the, the practice has to get a little more serious about their technology and, you know, the, the ramifications of not handling it properly. So, you know, HIPAA compliance being, you know, the big thing. Um, you know, we, we do run into the practices where somebody's handling it that way, or maybe the practice manager is the one that's fixing, you know, the computers. Um, but when it comes to net, things like network security, um, they lack the experience and understanding to really handle that appropriately for the practice. The other aspect is um, whoever is doing that, um, like if the practice manager is maybe handling it as one of their jobs, you know, they're not doing other things they should be doing. I've even run into um, practices where the doctor himself or herself is actually fixing the computers. And that's kind of a head scratcher, right? Because yeah. should, you know, don't you want to be billing more patients, right? You know, getting more patients in the door so that you're driving additional revenues. So that's what we really try to do is take the IT off of their plate make it a tool for them to really expand their practice and keep it efficient. And obviously when a medical practice is involving somebody like that, a, a friend or cousin of a, of a friend or whoever it may be that's handling it for them, hopefully for not very much money, that's the big thing for them. They're trying to save money, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a small practice. We're, we're a medical practice that I'm a part of when I'm not here on the, on the microphone in the studio and i know that you know we always try to guard revenue as much as we can and so i understand the the need to not spend a whole lot of money but there are some financial risks for not handling these topics particularly as it relates to the network security that you mentioned and um, you know general hipaa compliance so can you talk about those elements and where where does the risk come in for for the business that they may not be thinking they're thinking maybe they're saving some money on a monthly basis but opening themselves up to something that's potentially a big a big cost. There's a few different areas um, where the exposure is created. Um, one is, you know, obvious in the areas of, of HIPAA compliance. Um, and there's more than just the network secur security component to that. Um, but, you know, when you think about what it might cost the practice uh, in the event there is a breach, right? So if, if uh, patient data is um, breached and it gets out into the public Internet, um, you know, there is there are laws that, you know, where you have to post that you have been breached. That's a big deal. You know, yeah. if your the name of your practice gets out there is, you know, with a leak, that's going to cost your practice patients. Right. So that's just one example. And there could be fines and, and whatnot along the way. Um, another area um, is a little more elemental. And that is that the you know, the, the, in trying to save the money, they're actually can be costing themselves money. Again, if their practice manager is working on that instead of making a better process for accounts receivable, they're just spending time in IT where they, their employees and the doctor themselves can be, again, driving revenue. So anytime, there's always a cost of handling IT. Somebody, you're, you're spending the money somewhere, whether it's with your practice manager or your own billing time or a failure in the environment because you're reactive instead of proactive. We talk about that a lot. If your server goes down and your EMR is not accessible, how much does that slow down the practice? Does it? Can you still see patients and so forth? So how do we talk about being proactive and staying 
ahead of the curve and, and trying to keep um, uptime to a maximum in order to not impact the practice negatively. We've been speaking with Empowered IT CEO John Mammon, and, and within the, the space of IT companies that do this sort of an outsourced relationship, obviously there's a lot of choices out there for for the businesses, whether they're healthcare or otherwise, to, to, to look at. So what, in your opinion, makes what you all bring through Empowered IT the one that would make the most sense to invest the revenue that we're talking about? Uh, great question. There are a lot of folks out there delivering IT services. I would tell you that um, there's not a lot that do it well. Um, and so we, we're one of those companies that focus on delivering a great experience for the practice. And when we, when we talk about that, we mean everybody involved, whether it's a vendor, you know, a partner, um, an end user, uh, a patient trying to get on the guest network and the guy writing the, the guy or the gal writing the check. You know, we want everybody to have a great experience. That's our main focus. Um, and I would also say that our focus on medical practices, because there's a lot of companies, but there's very few that, you know, will focus on this specific vertical. And so, um, when we focus on this on the, on the medical vertical, not only do we understand the technology components, um, but I mentioned before that C level, you know, the the CIO or the CTO for the medical practice that can not only deliver um, uh, help and assistance around technology, but also deliver um, other aspects. Um, you know, again, you know, how is your how do your accounts receivable? Look, how are your, what's your billing process look like? We have partners that we can introduce into the environment to help you with other areas if you practice it well. So that ecosystem is something that we're very proud of and um, really feel like we deliver a lot of value for our monthly fee to those practices. How are you engaging the, the, the medical practices that you work with? I mean, do you have somebody that's knocking on doors saying, hey, we're empowered IT? What, you know, how, how does that, how are you interfacing with the medical practices to let them know that? You're available is what you do. Um, so, you know, we do some grassroots marketing, you know, uh, from an email perspective. Um, and we do have some inside sales reps. I see. But um, most of our, our, our strategy in, in this area is, again, around that ecosystem. So, you know, we have, you know, a process, uh, a medical process person that uh, understands what we do. So when they're out speaking about, um, you know, your processes that on the back end, they may hear that you do have IT challenges and then can introduce us. People like Harvey, people like Osama, who are um, specifically Osama is, you know, he's out targeting medical practices as well. So we're out helping each other, you know, and listening for how we can help these practices. Um, and whether or not, you know, a practice would engage me for IT services doesn't mean that I can't help them in other areas by making introductions to other people in our ecosystem. So how are in the? It would seem to me I'm not I'm not all omnipotent, but it seems to me that as it relates to the healthcare arena, particularly in the medical office, that use of cloud technology is somewhat they're slow to adopt. It, it doesn't seem to me that there maybe some of the bigger ones and some of the that uh, and that are deploying some of the newer EMRs. Obviously, many of those, if not most of those newer ones now are are cloud based, and, uh, but. How does how does that give an advantage to the medical practice? Because I know there are some different things you can do with that kind of technology. Can you talk a little bit about why someone might want to think about enabling cloud-based technology in a, in a practice? Sure. Um, and there is a kind of a slow adoption rate um, in some cases. Uh, in other cases, I've seen people be very open-minded to getting their EMR off-site. Um, 
the, the, the number one advantage is you immediately solve some areas of, of uh, HIPAA compliance. So, uh, for example, um, backup and disaster recovery uh, availability of the records uh, is one facet of HIPAA compliance, of the HIPAA standard. And um, by having those systems in the cloud, um, you, you know, you're already demonstrating the ability to get to those um, platforms regardless of, you know, what might happen to your office facility, whether it is a real catastrophe where the building has a fire, sprinkler system goes off, whatever, uh, or you just lose power for a period of time, um, you're able to still demonstrate access to those records. So that's one real advantage. Um, I talk about this, you know, even with other businesses, not just medical practices, but when you have your, your um, key data, your platforms sitting in your facility, um, they're much more at risk than they are when they're sitting in the cloud. Uh, apprehension um, is around, you know, is my stuff secure when it's sitting in the cloud? Yeah, Everybody that, can get there. I was going to ask that because I think that that's one of the perceptions that people have. I know I did when I first heard about it. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want my stuff being out there wherever it is. Where is the cloud? What is right. the cloud? Um, talk about just from a, you know, just a minor tutorial for someone who doesn't understand exactly what that when we talk about the cloud what are we talking about exactly if i've not heard of it yet sure sure or, other, um, or if i don't haven't heard what it is exactly right so um basically it's providing your systems across uh an environment that is highly redundant uh and typically you know you're going to be able to get into a facility that is hipaa compliant um and that does have uh, as i mentioned um the security necessary to keep your keep the data state safe uh, and also keep it up and running because it's you know across a shared platform so you have multiple redundancies um, and you know it's it's basically secure and accessible from anywhere um, so you know to put it simply um, it's it's sitting in a data center um, you you can know where that is sitting you know there are services out there and that's kind of what confuses people sometimes is that there are services where you don't know where your data is landing um, but you can know if you're working with the right partner you can know where those data centers are and the EMR platforms generally are very specific and open about you know where your data is residing because you want to know if it's sitting you know in the continental US or if it's sitting overseas in, in Asia somewhere or what have you so they're very open about you know where that data is landing um, but it's having your server systems and your EMR platform in the cloud and one of the things I understand is the from a security perspective it's it's very intense in terms of the security on those types of facilities It's a little bit more than password one two three four to get into uh, to the to the data there, it's it's almost military, or it is military, mm -hmm. you know, level I guess security in in those types of facilities. Yeah, in many cases, um, and basically, it's not that you can't have it locally; it's that most don't, right? So, in a facility like that, that's going to be you know more stringently enforced than it is you know sitting in your local practice, right? So, you know, people again think that you know their information out there may not be secure. But, you know, those same folks might have their EMR platform sitting on a server next to the coffee machine that anybody can run in and put under their arm and run out the door. And you've just got, you know, you've just lost not only your platform, but all those patient records are right. out there. And I've actually, you know, experienced a scenario where um, uh, somebody's cousin, you know, who was doing the <laughs> IT, uh, was, was actually trying to transfer data off of a server. Um, 
and had bought a hard drive to do that. And when he was all done, he took the hard drive back and returned it to the office store. And the office store actually called several days later to the practice, and the practice called us, what can we do? Because the data was never taken off of the hard drive. So those are the kinds of things that can happen when you're dealing with you know, local, um, local technologies and then with people that may or may not you know, be qualified to, to, to handle that, your particular scenario, being that a medical practice with you know, privacy standards. In your experience, are you seeing, you know, is it still mostly legacy systems that you're running into, meaning the, the software that for my EMR actually lives on my PC that's right here or the PCs in my office versus the, the cloud-based applications where basically my, my computer ultimately gives me a portal that I log into that data center that you're talking mm -hmm. about that's out there and those computers out there are where all the good stuff is happening. How much are you seeing the legacy system still today versus some of these newer cloud-based systems? Is this still pretty heavily based in legacy? Um, I think it's probably, um, I would say if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 35 to 40% have probably, you know, made the leap, you know, just even if it's just mental that, you know, the cloud-based system is, is better for us. Um, bigger practices generally will keep those, have, have, I've seen them keep their, um, their uh, platforms in-house. But again, these are the same people who have the IT department and the IT staff to make sure that they're, you know, well taken care of and managed. So I, I would say on the, you know, for the smaller practices, um, I'm seeing kind of an evolution of thinking, if you will, mm. um, where they're much more open-minded. Um, I talked to a, a particular practice recently that had all of their systems built in-house. They were quite over-engineered um, to deliver um, those, that information and those services to a, a, a two-doctor practice. And, um, you know, my suggestion to them was, you know, it's, you know, you really need to think about getting this into the cloud. And uh, the, the practice manager had shared with me that um, the doctors were a little close-minded to that. But after a, uh, a seminar they attended, um, they were they came back very open-minded and ready to to really embrace that. And it's going to save their practice thousands of dollars. It really is. So it was a good where, decision. Do, where does the savings typically come from? Well, um, to completely uh, revamp their internal environment and support it after the fact would have cost them, you know, a, quite a bit of money. Uh, over the years, they had patched things together. Uh, again, that environment was somewhat over-engineered. So what we had to do or initially, you know, um, if we had come in and did the work for them, was to literally strip the environment down and rework it so that it was more manageable. Um, and so that would have been, you know, a, a five-figure project just to get it in supportable condition. So that's where a lot of them comes from is that initial uh, project. And then over time, uh, supporting the platforms um, that, um, so that house the EMR. Um, platform is is can get very expensive. So you typically in a in a service support environment like um, where we're coming in and we're becoming the IT department, uh, the larger fees are around supporting the server systems more so than the desktops. So if I'm reducing my server environment from say three servers to one because the other two are now in the cloud, and that is a service being provided by the EMR, I've, elimin I've eliminated some ongoing support fees. This particular practice was um, had three servers. Um, they had a process, a manual process, where they had to go in and update the EMR platform on a nightly basis. Um, so there was a lot of work that went into just keeping this thing going. And they weren't even, you know, really backing it. They didn't know when the last time they had a backup. 
right? So if one of those servers fails, now what? You know, so um, that's all gone now, right? So that they're they're moving to the cloud as we speak. Um, the vendor will be providing um, you know those services in the cloud. They don't have to worry about the backup any longer. They don't have to worry about applying the nightly updates. They don't have to worry about managing the servers they were residing on. So that's where savings really comes in. I met one of the people just coincidentally a while back that I, I believe is one of the uh, partner relationships that you have, Frank Martin, who does some right. consulting for the medical practice space, uh, helping them improve their uh, their collection rates, you know, back office and revenue cycle management. And one of the things that he mentioned was, uh, you know, I had asked him, when does somebody need to think about? Because uh, uh, you know, inevitably people say, well, we've got Susie. She does the billing for us. Do you need to think about having an outsourced company do that? And he said, if you're not getting paid on the of your claims within, you know, that first pass, then you need to be thinking about this. For you, where do you find the the real pain points to be for the, for the medical practices that you serve? And when when does it make sense for them to be thinking, all right, we need to we need this is an investment we need to make. Sure, um, our program scales, so it doesn't matter if it's you know uh, one doctor with you know three employees on staff, um, you know, or if it's five doctors with forty. Um, our pl- our our um, program scales to whatever size you are. So, I would contend that irrespective of your size, you should be dealing with um, a professional IT organization. Um, that, you know, and you have to think beyond just, you know, what happens when somebody can't get on their email. You know, um, an, an organization like ours can help in so many different facets of, of your practice and, you know, really uh, help you be more efficient and grow. Um, how else are you going to get that information? Who are you going to talk to to understand what are my options around security? What are my, op- where's my exposure? Um, how, where are my options for an EMR platform? Should I be worried about, you know, some of these free services that are out there? Um, where do you get that information if it's, you know, one of the office, you know, the office manager, you know, fixing the email or, or um, if it's your cousin, you know, taking care of the server? Uh, I think that it's important to engage a professional organization that can really ta- help you take your practice to another level. And so from what you're saying, that that sort of um, outsourced relationship that we're talking about actually ends up costing a practice far less than if I were to actually employ somebody in most cases. Yeah, I've actually heard that, um, you know, I think it's every patient is $65 of revenue or something along those lines. So, I mean, it would be very hard to, for me to uh, to grasp that you could not, you know, get that revenue, get the monies back, right? If we didn't, if we weren't able to um, protect your practice and, and show you an ROI, in that vein, I, w- I would be surprised. So I think that, you know, by engaging a professional organization, you can make up, you know, that money very easily um, and, and, and get get real value and, and get a return on your investment, even if it's something like, you know, how you save, how you're saving money on your, um, you know, by certifying a drug as a drug free workplace, just as one example, uh, saving money on your workman's compensation plan, cybersecurity insurance. All these kinds of things are things that we talk about with you. Um, we even had somebody that, you know, was looking for help in, for their 401k, uh, and we introduced them to somebody that could help them. So I, if, I would be stunned if you didn't receive the value for the monthly fee um, over time. I see. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I like 
being able to have professionals like yourself come in. I mean, a lot of the times, obviously, it's top docs, so we focus heavily on physicians and mm-hmm. physician-related discussions, whether it's how you know procedures that they do or diseases they treat or patients that have uh, gone through a particular experience. But being able to share some information with our healthcare listeners out there that can help them run their practice a little bit more efficiently, a little bit more. Uh, confidently that they're going to be meeting the regulatory requirements that they have on how they handle their data, for example, and how they how they manage their infrastructure from a technology perspective. Because nowadays, with all the mobile devices and all that kind of stuff, does that come into play for you, or is, is that a facet if, if you've got uh, people accessing um, patient records, for example, through mobile devices and stuff, where you're able to handle that sort of the component that that a practice may have if they're able to use their device to get into the system? Yeah, absolutely. We can um, we can absolutely manage the, those devices uh, through something called mobile device management. So we can manage the tablets and the, the smartphones and all of those things. And those are important things to, to uh, take into consideration when you're talking about securing the environment. At the end of the day, you know, we've talked a lot about different, you know, tangential value that we bring, but the computers still have to work. The systems still have to perform. You still have to think of things like, you know, okay, I've got my uh, my platforms in the cloud now. Uh, what happens when the internet circuit drops and things like that? Those are all things that we, you know, advise you on, consult with you on, and, and act in partnership with you to take care of. Now, you brought with you and introduced me to uh, to Harvey. You want to share some background on how you got to know Harvey, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about emergence. Yeah, absolutely. Harvey and I uh, were actually introduced um, several weeks back. Um, and we have met a number of times since then. Um, when Harvey told me uh, what he was all about and what he was doing, and that it was uh, working as a as an accelerator for medical practices, um, I uh, I was fascinated by the story. And so as we got to know each other, and you know, we found out that we knew a lot of the same people. Uh, and in fact, Frank Martin, as a matter of fact, um, who I know you've had on the show a couple of times, and is one of our partners is actually a mentor at Emergence for, uh, and has actually worked with Osama. Yep. So small community, right? Um, and, and so um, when, when he told me the story uh, of Emergence, I thought to myself, man, that's, that's fascinating. And I, I knew that I was coming to talk with you, and I thought it would be you know, great for the listeners to be able to hear what he is all about. Well, tell me a little bit more about Emergence, Harvey. Um, when we talk about a, an accelerator, particularly a healthcare accelerator, I mean, what exactly are we talking about? Accelerator is a um, organization, and we're a not-for-profit organization, and we're funded by some major organizations, healthcare organizations that allow us to operate, um, where we work with companies that have a product and need to mature themselves to get to the funding level. And that's what we do. We help companies to mature themselves. And we have two separate programs. One, we have a very specific program. We have four companies at our specific location, and we'll give them space and we give them mentors, and we have got a lead mentor and specific uh, mentors in each area that we see they need help in. And we define where they need the help in. And also, they agree with that, so we want to get them to the level they feel comfortable. Maybe they need a sales team. Maybe they need FDA approval. Possibly, lots of times, they need financial assistance because the um, people are going to fund companies want to make sure where's the return on investment, where's right. the return on investment for them. They don't see it the same way as a product company. Uh, it's kind of opposite for them, and that's unfortunate, especially in medical care, yeah. um, where I see so many things, tech technology and uh, software. There's some great advances going on. Um, I helped start the Southeast Medical Device Association, 
uh, 12 years ago. And I see so many things going on, great things going on in this area. Uh, however, when somebody's trying to get funded, that's a different story. That's a business. And you got to prove how your business operates, how you sell, where's your marketing, um, how you keep your costs as low as possible, um, where do you get a board of advisors, an example. A lot of companies don't have board of directors. Right. They think one person can run it. <laughs> I'm the board. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I've worked with professors at uh, the largest uh, schools in Atlanta, and um, they see themselves as the person who operates. And however, a person who funds the company wants to see multiple people involved, including themselves a lot of the times. Now, emergence came about because uh, I've owned five companies here, and fortunately I've been funded and didn't have to move. But now some of the companies, let's say, uh, and there are funding companies in Boston, are asking them to move. So, what, so they got They want them to be in their backyard so they can it, see them more easily? They put a CFO there. They want uh, to be very close. They want to control them. Um, that's an environment that's happening more often now. Um, however, the Southeast has a great opportunity because there's so many companies and we work with the uh, mayor of Alpharetta, example, Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, um, Georgia um, Chamber of Commerce, uh, and for Fulton, uh, North Fulton County. And so we work with a lot of people, and we're choosing the people we work with. Emory University, Georgia Tech, ATDC. So we work with the people that help us help the companies. And so now when you talk about these relationships, say, with the Chambers of Commerce, are you saying that's where you interface to maybe find people who would serve as a mentor or maybe a board member for one of these companies? Is that what you're talking about? Or? Well, that exposes emergence and the companies that we're working with. Because one of the things that we need as emergence, as a new um, accelerator ourselves, and the companies themselves need exposure, needs marketing. So they help us marketing from We've had put together various events. Um, our first event was with the um, North Fulton Chamber of Commerce, where we had a Congressman uh, Mike Price, who's an MD, He's also in charge of all things, the budget for the United States Congress. And he actually spoke as a keynote speaker. Um, and then we had different people. And the new president of um, Casa Brunetti wanted to be on the panel. And we had some incredible people. We had the president of uh, Care Logistics there. And a very impressive panel. We're having three other events happening. We're having something called the reverse pitch at Emory University, where companies like uh, Halyard was a spinoff of um, Kimberly Clark is going to speak about what they're looking for for companies. So it's, we're creating a whole different environment here in Atlanta, I think, that may have existed um, in other places, but not in the Southeast per se. But what Emergence really is about is to grow companies to the point that they become successful and they become mature enough so a, an investor can see themselves as a full-based company, not just as a product company in other cells. So it is a difference between what an incubator and accelerator is. It's a little confusing, especially in this city, compared to other cities, compared to New York, Austin, Silicon Valley. Um, we're trying to create that as a very clear understanding here um, and between all the other incubators that exist here in um, this area. We're talking with the Chief Operating Officer of Emergence. They're in a medical accelerator located here in Atlanta. Harvey Schuster has taken some time to share about what they do. Now, you mentioned, Harvey, that you've owned a few businesses. I know that uh, folks have probably heard of one of them, or at least. So share some background about what led you up to where you are now here with Emergence. Well, this, uh, I'm the person, the CPA, who helped start uh, Petrie Software. I think some people may have heard one, of that. One or two company. probably heard of it. Um, yeah. It's still a great company in Gwinnett <laughs> County, owned by Sage Software. Um, I, we sold it to um, another company, MSA DMB Software, who I was with for three years. Um, it was a lot of fun at the time. Uh, we got very well recognized by IBM. Um, and then 
basically, um, I left that to start another company called, um, was a major e-learning company. We had a lot of very large Fortune 500 companies as my clients, um, Verizon, IBM, McDonald's, Ford Motors, um, and we were starting their new um, university divisions that obviously you know about a lot now. Um, so we normally get involved into new technologies some people don't believe in saying, um, you're going to replace a stand-up trainer with what? Uh, <laughs> or you're going to put this little PC? The PCs don't work, you know, yeah. until IBM came out with theirs and was a top secret project down at Boca Raton. Right. Um, so the companies I work in, and just like the companies that I'm working with now, it's fairly new for them. However, that's really great when you have a gap. Um, that's where the venture capitalists and the um, angel capitalists, that's where they see the opportunities are. And even the people in California are looking to East Coast companies because the people in California has evaluated the companies at a very high price now, and but the people on the East Coast have not. But again, we're looking to provide them, and we put together a, a board of advisors, and you can find our website and a large mentor um, list of people, extremely experienced. Um, in their specific areas, one person who ran three cancer companies um, and uh, other people in their specific areas, so they can be in marketing, like you said, Frank, who can actually help in, in specific areas where those companies do need help in. And we define that with the owners of the company and the people running the company. How does a company get to be involved with the accelerator? How do they get selected? Do they come to you? Do they find you? Or Vice versa, how does that process happen to the companies that you're trying to we work have, with? We have um, a selection process and a selection committee. And in fact, the person in charge of technology Wellstone is on our selection committee. He has to be on it. And we do it through the events I was telling you about. We do it through different PR that we do in marketing. But it's done through our sponsors and other people that say that we are needed because we are specifically, as you said, about medical devices, and health IT, which is an enormously growing area. Uh, and it can take quite a long time to get from con concept to actually being able to put it out there where it can actually help people, from what I understand. It depends. Um, where you. Uh, it's all timing, basically. There's a company like Vitamin C that's uh, ready to go into the marketplaces there. There's other companies that may be in our pre-program. He has an imaging device for breast cancer that a surgeon can just do it right on, um, on the table there. Um, that'll take a little bit longer. So he's in our pre-program. Um, so in our selection process, um, we have somebody who works in the MBA program at Emory who's actually helping us do this too. They fill out an application, review the application, go over it with them, and we decide the three areas I'll go into, which is this, uh, the specific four companies that we work with, the pre-programs, and because the people who are funding us, we want us to help with companies. So we don't ask anything of them, really, except to help them, because that's what we're here for as a not-for-profit. Or not be able to work with them because they're too early. They don't have a product, or it's just an idea, or it's not really been released by a, a um, university or some other issue exists at that point in time. So the companies that get involved with you are more they're closer to the point where they're actually able to offer their product or yes. service they to have, the marketplace. Right. They have to have a product compared to an idea on a, a napkin um, because lots of people have that, <laughs> uh, especially in medical. Uh, yeah. healthcare is a big issue, maybe even more issue in health IT compared to medical devices um, because medical uh, devices more go through FDA than IT does. 
but uh, IT is coming so important because of IBM Watson and a whole bunch of um, situations that are occurring right now. So um, that's where we see ourselves fitting into um, in the health of care. And also the timing is very important. The bio side is, you know, up to 10 years. Medical device could be um, three to five. However, we're looking for companies that are more ready to be released and marketing their product and obtain customers, or we can help them obtain customers for that matter. What does the company look like that's that's sponsoring you? I mean, who, who, where, what do they what do they get out of being a sponsor? Or is it, is it mainly just pure philanthropy? Or you know, what is that relationship like, and what are they trying to? do with the funds? I mean, where do those funds end up going? There, there are two companies um, I can mention, Halyard um, Health, which is a breakout from Kimberly Clark. Right. They're the ones doing um, the reverse pitch or uh, Yes, uh, at Emory. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Ben Kaczynski um, is uh, going to be monitoring that down there and hosting it down at Emory. Um, they are, want us to help them find companies that fit into their niche, as an example. Jackson Healthcare also has the same request. We met with, we met with Rick Jackson and they have an interest in growing. So as we find companies, they said, we have executives, however, you have a big broad bandwidth of executives as well as mentors, as well as entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs normally don't stick with a corporation. And that's something we as a not-for-profit and with people that I know and other people know can bring to the table that um, these companies are asking us to look for. Um, So they get a lot out of it besides just helping from a good point of view uh, for the community, um, they have the opportunity to see a lot of companies from that perspective. Well, you brought with you one of the organizations that's going through your your accelerator program. You want to introduce us to Osama and Vitamin C? Osama, certainly. Um, Vitamin C is in, in a very interesting company that's in the software area. Um, one of the things is he has a platform, and one of the things we're helping with is focus the company. He could go on in different areas because software is very difficult. They can be applied to so many different areas, mm-hmm. and so many, especially medical. Um, you can go after medical practices. You can go after clinical, uh, clinical tests and a lot of different areas. So um, Osama's uh, software is uh, very interesting and can be applied. And he's going to give you an example, which I think is a great example of what the return on investment is. It's a very simple example. I'll leave it to mm-hmm. him to repeat that. Mm-hmm. But it's really simple. And it gives somebody a real clear understanding just by this one example of how they can get a return on investment. And there's so many different examples of how they can get a return on investment. And this one is so simple and understanding of how the software will work for somebody beyond what all the other opportunities that the software can apply within a practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's something brought big to, big to follow up on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, my name is Osama Hashmi, CEO of Vitamin C. And what we do is we turn healthcare data into revenue for practices. And so what that means is that a practice, like the practice that you're probably associated with, probably has lots of patients that you guys have worked with, lots of data on those patients. Um, And I personally have worked with lots of practices before, hospital associations, um, lobbyists in D.C. And what you find is that oftentimes the greatest opportunity for a practice to generate revenue is through your existing patients and opportunities that you're missing out on with your existing patient base. And so what we do with our software is pretty simple. We link into your existing EMR, whether it's a cloud-based EMR or a legacy system, and we identify patients who are off protocol, and we bring them back onto protocol. Um, and the end result is an immediate increase in revenue for the practice because we're targeting really high-value patients for that practice to, to bring back onto, onto the protocol that the practice is trying to engage with. 
one of the things that we're working with right now is a couple of practices, um, pediatrics and family pra- and family care um, practices. And for them, a high value visit is an annual wellness visit, which is a visit that they can get paid by Medicare and almost every private insurer to do. But almost 50 percent of eligible patients just aren't getting those visits done by the practice. OK. And so what we do is we identify those patients and bring them back into the practice. And at the end of the day, it's it's somewhere between three thousand six thousand dollars a month in additional revenue that the practice gets just from bringing those patients back onto back into the system. So how is your application doing that? So our application does it in a couple of different ways. Um, the There's two main secret sauces to, to what we have. One is we have a really, really sophisticated filtering system. So right now, if you're using an EMR, you can probably pull up an Excel list of you know patients who haven't, who are under certain insurance. Um, our filtering system goes a little bit beyond that, where we can see, you know, based on their insurance, what billable procedures have been completed in the past couple of months? What are the trends that are that are happening? Is this patient eligible for a certain service? And then based on that, we can then identify them as eligible for, you know, being recruited to, to get a service done. The second piece is actually the recruitment piece. And so one of the things that I was doing when I was working at practices was actually doing the recruitment piece, right? So you'd have nurses who'd spend hours and hours going through charts or calling on physician practices, getting referrals. And then they have this big list of patients that they have to, to call, right? Um, and so what our software does is we actually have a series of different engagement protocols, which go through text messages, emails, phone calls. And it's not just, you know, getting a phone call from from this automated voice. It, we record the physician's voice and then we make it interactive as well. Um, and we're building it so that, you know, patients can schedule appointments right there on the phone. Um, we're building it so that patients can complete pre-assessment surveys before they come into the office. And it's all about saving time for the physician, but also bringing in really high value patients back to the office. So how does the, is a, is it a licensing kind of relationship where I'm, it's kind of like my EMR where I'm kind of paying a fee to be able to continue using my application? Is that how this works? Is it a one-time kind of purchase? How does the, how does that get into my office and how do I keep it? Yeah, so what we're doing right now, um, it's obviously a really high value service for the physicians, um, not just for what we can do today, but in this new age of healthcare, it's more and more going to be on how you well you can engage your patients, how well you can identify specific things that you can do for them based on their insurance. Um, and so despite it being a really high value service, we're offering it for the next couple of months completely for free for practices. And so they are able to join our partner organization. We, we view them as select partners and it's filling up, but we have a couple of spots open where physicians can work with us to develop these protocols with us, mm-hmm. which is our value as a system is being able to figure out what are the highest target patients to go after. And that's something that we're work with, working with practices to figure out. So right now it's, it's completely free for practices, but it probably won't be for, for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> now, are there particular specialties that this makes most sense for? Yeah. So there's there's actually two main specialties. The first is is in the primary care side. So you have family practice and pediatric practices where you're seeing a high volume of patients and where insurers are now paying very high rates for preventative medicine. So that's that's a really high high niche field for us is going after and working with primary care and pediatric practices. The second is actually specialty physician practices. So practices that are offering services that aren't really in the norm of what a person might think of when they go to a doctor's offices. So a uh, uh, practice that's offering wellness visits, a practice that's offering kind of extra services to a, to a patient where it's all about getting them on board and engaged and keeping them through um, that practice. And so those are the two types of practices that we're, that we're working with right now. One, it's the, it's the practices that can derive value from preventative medicine. 
And the second is practices that derive a, value, a lot of value already from preventative and wellness procedures and trying to increase that revenue stream for them. Big, one of the big changes in medical, by the way, is wellness. Yeah. They finally figured out that yeah. instead of waiting for somebody to get sick and to go to the ER, um, maybe better take care of and keep them well before they get sick, especially as our population uh, matures is the word I'll use. Um, and so therefore, they can cost a lot more money to society. But there is a way to reduce that cost, and that is through wellness. That is one of the things that I believe is good about the recent change in the healthcare law is to, to put greater focus on trying to prevent these illnesses before they get going and before they really begin to get costly because, you know, heart disease, diabetes, those types of things obviously right. are big drivers for our overall health care expenditure. I would think that for an application like what you're talking about, that there would also be a great deal of value to um, the the businesses or the, the health care specialists that are not necessarily uh, – they're they're more elective in nature, like a right. like a dermatologist, like a plastic surgeon who focuses on aesthetics, mm-hmm. um, that have things that they can do for you to maintain your beauty, for example, to maintain the the health of your skin, for example, not just with um, you know cancer prevention so much, but maybe you want to have really nice skin, and that might take uh, a little bit more frequent either dermabrasion or whatever right. different services that they offer that might be, it would seem to me that that would be valuable for yeah, an and, organization and, like that. And traditionally those practices are the practices that are hiring, you know, marketing people or hiring right. nurses to do calls on, on patients. And yeah. so those are the practices that we're working with to, to reduce the staff time and allow their staff to go back to patient care while we do the marketing and engagement for these patients uh, on a much more effective way. Because it's not just, you know, you're coming for, for this procedure and then three months later you come in for X procedure. It's very much you come in for this procedure, depending on how the procedure went, there might be other things that might be important for your health, or three months later, there might be other things from there, depending on how you're progressing. So it's, it requires a lot of high touch with that patient. Um, that's very difficult to do just with, with a person cold calling a giant list of patients. But both companies, basically what they do is they provide the focus and the intellectual property to these practices to do and the focus what they can provide. Instead of taking someone who had went to a nursing degree or who runs the practice, instead of doing that, they use it just like the old payroll companies started up. They said, why are you going to learn all these laws? Why would you do right. that and take your people away from that, especially the people who could be running the company? Um, that's what both these companies provide. Right. Um, so where does the platform live? Is it, a, is it an application that is uh, does it plug into my EMR or is it a website? Where where does it live? So so it's a it's a cloud based pl- uh, application. We actually um pl- it plugs into EMRs. So we have different levels of, of certification with EMRs. We actually have a full API marketplace certification with Greenway, um, and we're working with Athena Health, Cerner, eClinical Works, and so all these EMR companies love us, right? Because we're a software vitamin for them, where they it's a really easy plug in, and their practices get immediate benefit from from using it. Um, so it's it's a cloud-based application that plugs into an EMR, but we also allow for for people who aren't using you know EMR systems to import Excel sheets to do manually upload um, patient data into into our system, and it's stuff that we spent the past year and a half making sure is secure and locked down um, and getting certifications for. It. And so then it has, as you were saying, there's some measure of automation that allows me, if I'm Dr. Hall, then I can craft messages around these particular types of visits that we're hoping to uh, promote for our patients, then 
I get a call. Hey, this is Dr. Hall. Press mm-hmm. one, press two. How, how does that work? What's yeah, that? exactly. So so you get to pick the, the types of messages that you're sending. And once again, you get to pick the types of patients that you're sending the messages to. So it's not just like a broad phone call to every single one of your patients. It's very targeted towards the patients who, who need that service. Um, and then there's there's that interactive portion of it where they can select to get an appointment depending on their response to to the first message. It might be they get a phone call and they decide, yes, I want to want to get to schedule an appointment. And then from there, a week before the appointment, we send them a pre-assessment survey, which cuts down the physician time doing doing all, all the all the visit stuff. So it's kind of a full package. If you were going to imagine, we, we tell physicians, imagine if you only had one patient that you had to take care of, right? You would call them every single day. You'd be able to send them surveys before yeah. before they need to get stuff done. You would you would be on top of them. And that's what our software provides. It's that, it's that full package. And that's what we're looking for with our physician partners is, is partners who are looking to better engage their patients in ways that would not only increase their revenue, but make the patient experience better for for those patients. Um, would you say that, I mean, it, it doesn't, it would seem that if we're focusing on wellness, then we're not going to be encouraging procedures, for example, that, that may or may not be necessary. We're, we're looking at preventive types of things and, right. and issues that are going to maybe keep me from having to have procedures down the road. And right. this is going to be a from a time investment perspective on the physician, it's going to be visits that are usually less complicated perhaps and don't take as much of my clock that I only have so much of. Exactly, exactly. And, and hopefully also they're, they're visits that take less time, less complicated. They're happier patients when they come in. So it's not a patient that's, that's crying and sick right, and coughing right, on you. Yeah. And then also it's, it's, it's visits that are getting higher reimbursement um, from these insurance companies as, as, as we progress. And, and a really big piece of vitamin C that we're building out um, is that data portion where not only can we track you know patients coming in, but we can track the effectiveness of what you're doing. Um, so some of the practices that we're working with, you know, a chiropractic practice that we're working with, not only is engaging patients bringing in the door, but they're using our system to evaluate the effectiveness of their own work, and then they're sending that back to the insurance company, saying, "Hey, look, we have vitamin C, and we're showing you this increase in, in patient satisfaction. We're showing you this increase in objective clinical scores for these patients." Um, and so they can get better rates from from the insurance companies for the practices that that they're providing to their patients. Talk about the the partnership piece that you were mentioning, where you have a limited number of opportunities for someone to participate with the application for free. Right. Yeah. So so um, we're we're offering the so I guess a little bit of background to myself. My I'm a second year medical student at GRU. So I started this project a long time ago, knowing that I wanted to make a difference in healthcare. And so the whole purpose of, of what we're doing with vitamin C and the team that we've built around vitamin C is all about impact. It's all about making sure that we're working with the right people to make a difference in the lives of providers and patients. And so what we're doing with our partnership program is we're selecting 10 practices and, and we started you know, already filling, filling those, those practices up. Um, and those are practices in various specialties who are trying to make it make an impact in, in healthcare, right? So those are those are practices that we're trying to do innovative new approaches towards patient management, towards um, patient recruitment, towards identifying patients. And using those those practices, we're going to hopefully build marketing materials. We're going to use you know their stories to to reach out to other practices like them. Um, we're not the type of software company that's trying to grow too big too fast, but it's all about impact. And and for the stage we are right now, working with emergence, it's about measuring that impact and and getting it done correctly. What are you looking for? As, a, as far as the last few slots that you have? So what we're looking for right now is we're looking for practices that are engaged in wellness activities. Um, so we have a relationship right now with the hospital. We actually have a relationship with a biotechnology company. We have primary care. Um, so right now we're looking for practices that do what exactly what you're saying, elective procedures, wellness procedures. Um, and we're looking for practices that are increased 
that are looking for better ways to recruit patients to those procedures. Okay. Um, so those are those are the practices that we're looking for um, that would work really well with our select program. Not to say that if any other practice comes, we won't consider them, but um, those are kind of the, the targeted practices that we're working with now. How does someone get in touch with you? Where do they link up? So we have a website, www.getvitaminc.com. Um, you can also reach me directly at osama at getvitaminc.com. Um, and you can follow us on, on Twitter, get vitamin C. We're based in Athens, Georgia. So if you ever want to gonna go to a UGA game, um, we're, we're, it's, it'd be a nice, nice business excuse, right? To, to come downtown for a little bit. I might have to come over and check it out. <laughs> Definitely should. How about you, Harvey? How, how do folks get in touch with emergence? Yes. Um, you can, uh, see our website, uh, www.emergencegma, uh, which is, uh, Georgia medical accelerator dot O-R-G, because we are a not-for-profit. Okay. Or you can certainly call me, Harvey Schuster, 678-362-6950. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly link in with you there when we put the podcast out as well. How about you, John? Um, you can uh, take a look at our website at www.empoweredit.com. That's the letter M, the word power, and the word edit. Uh, dot yeah, com. That's how I, I read to, it the first time. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I have to make sure I spell that out. Um <laughs> And uh, or you can call us at six seven eight three eight nine sixty two hundred, and you can reach me directly at J Mammon, J M A M O N at empoweredit.com. And if you haven't done so already, and you're listening, you need to get over to Twitter and Facebook and follow the Top Docs Radio Show. There, we're at Top Docs on BRX. Everybody here, there's no cost for being here, but you have to tie in with us on social media. Um, <laughs> but uh, we always try to link in with all of our guests so that we can share the information that they're putting out and keep people informed. Um, and we hope that uh, if you haven't done so already, that you either go to the top left-hand corner of the Top Docs Radio show page and hit the um, uh, the Apple link there to the uh, iTunes uh, Top Docs Radio podcast and and subscribe to us there because week in and week out we're bringing you healthcare experts uh, like these folks here today or uh, some some of the best physicians in the uh, Atlanta area talking to you about all kinds of great health information that can help you or a loved one uh, do a little bit better. And uh, we want to say to our guests today, to uh, Harvey, Osama, and John, I really appreciate you all making time to uh, come and join us in the studio today. Uh, cool information that you shared, so we appreciate you. And to all the folks out there today who made us a part of their afternoon to check out our guests, we appreciate you. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 